Hello, everybody. It's Dr. Sophie. Welcome back to our weekly podcast. I hope they're helpful for you. I need your feedback because we want to inform you, educate you, have a good dialogue about raising a healthy community because it takes all of us to work as a team. Last week on our podcast, we talked about envy, the word envy. We learned precisely what envy is and why we experience it. We even learned about signals of how to give ourselves a warning that it's happening. So bottom line is we really talked about red flags, but envy is good and envy is not so good sometimes. So you really got to take a listen to it because we also discussed how social media and our celebrity culture have created additional changes for overcoming envy issues. Because trust me, a lot of the social media things that are happening will create people to feel envy and jealousy and all of those kinds of things and never you know, reach maybe feeling good enough about yourself and self-esteem, especially for teenagers. So take a listen. It's really good. All of those questions and tons of other information about Envy are on that podcast. As with all my other podcasts, you can get them on my website or on iTunes. Website is www.drsophie.com. So this week we are discussing listening in all of its dimensions. You know, many people don't understand there's a difference between listening and hearing. What does it truly mean to listen? How can we be committed to listening and changing our life to what we hear when we are listening? Why is it important to meditate or take a moment to pause and reflect throughout the day? Is it really helpful to do that or does it put you to sleep? How can it teach us to act more mindfully? Listen to this podcast today because it's really going to be a good one. We have a great expert, so come on back. 1-855-SOPHIE now or 1-855-767-4966. All right. Joining me today is our expert talking about listening and all of its components, Mark Nepo. Mark, you with me? Yes. Hi. How are you? Well, I'm good. How are you? Thank you for your patience. Sure. Good to be with you. So tell me a little bit about you. I, want to, I know you're a poet and a philosopher. You're a teacher and lots of spirituality. 35 years is a long time. Number one bestseller, New York Times. Got it right in front of me. Nice blue cover. Tell me a little bit about you. Well, um... I, you know, I've been doing this for a long time, and I'm, you know, really a seeker and just learning like everyone else. I'm a lifelong teacher, and you know, um, I think the thing that I've learned, you know, obviously uh, we're talking today about listening and seven thousand ways to listen is my book from last year, and you know, I think that my journey has unfolded. That I've been asked, I think, like many of us, by the experiences that we're given to listen beyond what I want, beyond what I'm hoping for, but listening to things as they are. You know, I've learned along the way that what's in the way is the way. <laughs> and, and through opening our heart and our mind to truly being present, which no one can do all the time. No, I mean, it's exhausting. But by doing that, I feel like I have kept being asked to grow and learn and become who I was put here to be. And I think, I think we all have a gift if we can listen to learn what it is. And it's like a fish finding water or a bird finding air. Right. For some of the people that are listening, what is the difference? Or is there maybe there is no difference between listening and hearing? Well, there's a great difference. And let me tell you a quick little parable. Um, that speaks to that, and there's a master and an apprentice. There's always a master and apprentice. And the master sends his young, his young apprentice. He says, I want you to sit by the river until you've learned all the river has to teach. And he's very studious. You know, he takes this very seriously. Right. 
So he goes to the river, he goes along, he spends the first half day trying to find the right spot to sit in, but through which to listen. And he's up very close, and then he's too close, and he's too far. Finally, he settles right in the middle, and he enters a studious and very deep meditation for three days, after which he has a terrific headache. <laughs> and just as in the third day, and he's in this deep silence, listening to the river, out of nowhere, a monkey comes along and jumps in the river in front of him, splashing and hooting and yapping, and it cracks him. He starts to weep, and he wow. gathers all of his belongings. He goes back to his teacher, tells him what happened, and the master puts his arm on his shoulder, and he says, Ah, you just listened. The monkey heard. Ah, see? Yeah, you just listened. The monkey heard. And so this ancient little parable tells us that we certainly can learn a lot by watching and observing, but the whole point is to get wet. The whole point is to be in life and not dancing on the edge of life. And I think great love and great suffering draws us to be in the river, to be, whether we like it or not. And then then a conversation with life truly begins. And listening, but, and, I, and I, again, I take, you know, as I started this book, I didn't know it, but my hearing was beginning to break down. Mm -hmm. And I have a hearing aid now, which is just fabulous, but that hearing loss goes, I'm a cancer, long-term cancer survivor, and that goes all the way back to the chemo I had 25 years ago. Yeah. But the interesting thing is that something underneath my awareness was calling me to start to understand and learn and inquire into how to listen more than just with our ears. And so I think that, you know, listening, you know, the first step to ending violence is listening. It was Longfellow had said, if we, if we truly listen to our enemy's suffering, they'll no longer be our enemy. Right, because that'll kick into your empathy and your sympathy. Absolutely. Many of our listeners have issues with their children like ADHD or disciplinary issues or whatever, whether it's a true rooted mental health problem or, you know, just age development issues and they don't listen. Because I, I know that they say, you know, I talk to them, they, I, they say they're listening, but they don't do what I ask them. I mean, is that, how do you talk to somebody like that? What is your thought about that? Well, and let me first say that, you know, I have children in my life, but I don't have children of my own. So I want to qualify that, that I may be the last person to have any wisdom on this. But, but in general, whether it's children or other people, I think one of the things that, that stands in the way is, is that so many of us aren't truly present so that we anticipate we, when we talk to children or others, we're not really talking to them. We're not really interested in what they have to say. We, we want to move them from A to B. We want them to behave in a certain way. We, we want others to do our bidding so that we're not really interested in a live interaction. And so, light, you know, all of us are dynamic. We never stay the same. You know, it'd be like asking a, a fire to behave the way we want or right. asking the rush of water. Okay, and I, I agree with that to a point. But then is there then, I guess my next question to you is, is there a developmental timeline where hearing, listening, develop and become stronger for someone? 
or are there ways to make yeah, it? I think that when we, when we behold each other, that is, when we truly see each other and value each other, as Martin Buber, the great Jewish philosopher, would say, as authentic living centers unto ourselves, and not have, and I mean, certainly, yes, with children, we want them to behave. We don't want them to break things. We don't want them to set the house on fire. But a lot, I think a lot of things come about because people, whether it's children or others, we feel unseen and unheard. And then we begin to act out. And then you lose your hearing and listening capabilities. And heard. So I think that when we truly ask people what they feel, who they are, what they think, and truly behold them, I think people will show up. You know, it was the, the great um, Chinese philosopher Mencius, who was, lived 200 years after Confucius, he had this beautiful thought and a great image. He thought that people were naturally kind. They were born that way. And, the, and his image was that water allowed its own course will always flow downhill and flow to other water. It can be manipulated to flow uphill, and it can be constrained, but allowed its own nature, it will always flow downhill. And likewise, human beings allowed their own nature, and seen and received will always be kind to each other and always flow to each other. I think that makes a lot of sense to me. Totally, totally. Okay. Well, I want to read you an email from uh, one of our listeners. It's Leo from Burbank, and he's asking, when people ramble with trivial details and don't get to the point, they lose me. What can I do to hold my attention? Well, I think, and I think we all experience this. Thank you for that question. I, I think one of the things is to, to take the, the risk in a kind way to engage at a deeper level. You know, often when people, and even myself, when I ramble, it's one of two things. Either I'm struggling to be seen as valuable by the person I'm with, and I'm not quite sure how to do that, so I kind of, and I'm a little afraid to kind of be there myself. Or, which is, I think, also very, very prevalent, we often repeat ourselves or keep telling a story. Sometimes we're forgetful, but more often than not, it's because the story demands more than one telling, because the meaning is too much to be digested in one telling. So I think that on, on our side, those who are listening, right. it does demand patience, but also an active engagement in an honest way to say, I don't understand, can you tell me more? Not in I don't understand that comes out as critical, but as I want to understand this. Can we, let's look at it together differently. Right, and then that person who's speaking won't be offended that you are maybe saying you're not and making any sense. they invited to enter it more deeply than they're accustomed to doing. Right, and it makes a deeper human-to-human -human contact, and then you're engaged and you're listening and you know what was said. Yeah, I think the question, you know, we, we, we misunderstand that questions aren't really to get answers. Questions are thresholds or doorways. When we ask a true question, 
I think we're inviting someone to walk through a door together. Right. Yeah, and then that invites us to truly be open in our unknowing together. Yeah, that makes total sense. I want, to, I want you to listen to a voicemail, though. Hang on. Hi, Dr. Sophie. I just wanted to know, are there any tricks to remembering the names of people you meet? I feel like I'm in the business of meeting a lot of people. I go to cocktail parties. I go to business meetings. And I'm supposed to repeat the names three times, but for some reason that doesn't work. I swear after the first time I hear their name and I repeat it the second time, I still can't remember. So I just I wanted to know if there were any tricks to remembering those people's names um, so I could do better in my job and just in everyday life. So well, I don't. I mean, actually, I don't you. have any Bye. tricks. In fact, you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm 62 and my memory's good, but I have trouble remembering names, and I think. You know, the, 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 the greatest thing is just to be present and authentic and to say, you know, I just met you, but can you tell me your name again? And I you really find what you're saying interesting, but, you know, remind me where you, who you are and where you're from. And I think just to be as honest as possible, I don't really, um, I haven't found any tricks and tricks don't really work other than, than I think it always comes back to me, for me, no matter what I try, to just being present that whatever is real is okay. Right. Like I think the statement that you put on the cover of your book, if you live the questions, life will move you into the answers. The bottom line is if you're actively listening and you're engaged, you're going to find an answer, you're going to understand, you're going to remember, you're going to recall because things will sink in and they go in. Yeah, I think that, you know, whatever our, our profession, whatever work we do, under all of that, we're, we're asked to stay as close to aliveness as possible. Yep. And that involves being being as honest as we can be and as vulnerable as we can be. So if I forget your name, I have to just be honest about that and own it as my limitation and invite the, the person in again. Um, <clears throat> I think that you know, being present, and that means leaning in to what we're given. Right. And be, again, an active listener. Yeah. All right. So do you think, have you found in all of your work, your work that listening is more difficult for children? Oh, actually, I think it's easier for children. I Why? think children, I think children, because children are born closer to their wonder. I think that just like we said in the quote I just offered, they can be manipulated to be quiet. You know, this is what happens. We are reinforced. I think, I believe that we are born with incredible wonder and excitement and very close to our aliveness. And very soon, one way or another, you know, we run into adults who say that wasn't appropriate or don't you ask that. Can't so, you see I'm busy? So we're killing their spirit. Yeah, we're Ooh. we're dampening it down, and then, good. you know, in order to learn how to survive, that wonder won't go away, but kids are very, I think, you know, they know what's real and what's not, and they know immediately what to trust and what not to, and so, you know, I think they'll very quickly say, well, I can't let my wonder out here. Got it. In line with this, I want you to listen to this interesting voicemail we got. Hold on. Dr. Sophie, this is Wayne from New York City. I have two children, one in elementary school, a girl in uh, 
third grade and a boy uh, in middle school in seventh grade. Um, neither of them are performing up to what I think they're capable of. And I think that the problem is largely listening, paying attention, attention span, etc. I have exactly the same problem at home, and I think this is really, really affecting them in a negative way. Could you address this and, and let me know if you have any ideas that I could, my wife and I could uh, implement to uh, improve this situation? Thank you very much. What do you think? Yeah, thank you for that question. Yeah. That's wonderful. And th this really speaks to a, a larger question, but let, let's, you know, let's, let's start quickly with the larger question. And, and that is, in our age, with the amazing technology we have, which technology is just a tool. It's inert. It's not good or bad. It's how we use it. But if we, I've come to understand that if we don't meet the outer world with our own set of inner values, with an inner life, the same way that water will fill a hole, existence will crush us. And so technology, which is inert, if we don't have a set of values that we work to be present with, that we stay engaged with, the characteristics of technology will by default become our values. And that's not so, a good thing. So we will have split thinking and divided attention, and we won't be able to be in one place at the same time, and our attention span will shrink, which we're seeing happening. So, I, I, so, so with that as kind of a backdrop, you know, my feeling is, whether it's kids or adults, it requires an extra effort to encourage children or learners to be with one thing at a time till they can penetrate the surface and make a connection with whatever is before them, till they can, you know, to encourage wonder and curiosity to whatever it is that will bring aliveness and excitement and then to have learning center around that i find that you know trying to force you now obviously kids have to learn how to read and write and all of those skills but beyond the basic even with the basics you know to really encourage human beings to find their excitement and enthusiasm to remove what's between us and life because it can be anything. We can be excited about anything if we're given the encouragement and the environment and the support to get things out of the way and to find that excitement because we're not going to learn unless we care about what's in front of us. Exactly. No, absolutely. Or else it's just dead. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so everything is alive. So it's how do we find... We're all drawn to different things. You know, we're, we're all, I think, born with an inclination and a wonder we care about about different things you know i care i i was all have always learned through the arts and through expression and through listening to to life and to others you know my father who recently passed away at 93 oh, was a master woodworker he didn't you know he grew up in the in the 20s 30s you know he didn't Very nice. perform well in traditional academic subjects and until they gave somebody gave him a chance to make something out of wood he didn't come alive right exactly 
But how do you, you know, and I think many of our listeners in conjunction with what we talked about earlier about listening and attention deficits and medical psychiatric issues, many parents will say, well, you know, I have the same engagement issue with my child with schoolwork or whatever. And, and the bottom line is everything doesn't speak to everybody and you got to find your thing. But how so do you I get would think, you know, So I think it's important to rather to insist on a child focusing on one particular thing, keep keep exposing them to endless things and in the meantime encouraging them that this is the place where you be where you are you do one thing at a time you give this is listening you give your heart's attention to one thing and see if it it and you can come alive because that will help them engage in a tighter and more active way and and the more practice we get you know that's the thing too is that right. wonder is contagious if I can find one thing that I come alive with, then I not only enjoy that and I grow from that, but I learn how to find the aliveness in other things. Right, and it's a muscle that you then strengthen. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I have more questions before I let you go. Meditation. I mean, it, does it help us listen better? Is it practice makes perfect of like kind of centering yourself in mindfulness? Does that help us? Well, I think meditation, you know, the whole, all the different traditions have different ways of doing this, but all of the practices are means to, to ask us to stop going faster than the pace of what's meaningful. We're really, you know, everything in life speeds us up, but when we want meaning and love and attention and when we are hurting, Life is slowing us down. So meditation is a way to slow us down to the pace of what is real. What does that mean? That means that when our bodies and our minds and our hearts move at the same speed, which is often has to slow down for all those three to align, it's like tumblers to a lock and a safe is opened, and all of a sudden we're closer to life, we're closer to wonder, we're closer to what matters. So while everything around us is speeding up, we, you know, these meditation practices, and really it doesn't even have to be formal meditation. It just has to be stop. Stop for 30 seconds a day. And, and, let, and just let it go. Yeah. And connect to it. Absolutely. Got it. All right, so one other quick question. We have a, uh, James from L.A. sent us an email asking, does any of this fall onto the speaker? Could changing their cadence or their style of speaking make it more conducive to listening as well? Well, not style, but substance. That is, when we're speaking, we all are asked, I believe, to stop rehearsing, to stop bringing up our, you know, if we're talking about politics, all of a sudden our political rap comes up. If we're talking about abortion, our opinion comes up. But to stay fresh and authentic, so it's not about style or cadence, it's more about opening our heart and moving back into a, a place of not knowing and wonder ourselves so that when we're engaging, that I'm not talking so that I'm on stage and you're going to be entertained or think well of me. But I'm talking so that we can connect. 
Right. It's not talking at somebody. Right. Got it. All right. So one other quick question about you. What made you pick this picture for your cover of your book? And is there for the cover of 7,000 Ways to Listen? Well, yes. because it's a, it's, it's a pier that goes out into the ocean. It's beautiful. Yeah, I love it. And what I love about that is that this is, this is what all listening does. It gives us a path by which our small personal life can connect in a real live way to everything that's larger than us. Got it. I think it's also a little eerie, so it gives you that, like, you don't know where it's going to lead you, but trust and go. But exactly. Connect. Yes. Got it. All right, Mark Nepo, we can find you where and buy this uh, wonderful uh, book. Two websites, uh, marknepo.com and threeintentions.com, and also, um, wonderfully, uh, November 10th and 17th, I'm going to have, uh, I have two interviews with Oprah uh, two hour-long interviews that be, will be on TV uh, as part one and part two on Super Soul Sunday. Well, we will be tweeting those for you and Facebooking and getting oh, all those you. people on board. Uh, thank you for all of your hard work, and it's really very deep and meaningful work because it's the essence of life, I think, to slow down, connect, and engage with others, or else it's a pretty lonely and empty life. Well, thank you. Thanks for your work, and thanks. it's great to be a part of it. Thank you. I'm looking forward to your interviews. Okay, thanks. Sure. Bye. Wow, that was interesting. Learning to listen and hear is a very different experience. They are different things, and lots of good stuff that we learned today. I think the most important things for us to understand is that there is a difference between hearing and listening, and that the only way you're ever going to listen and then hear what's being said from a content perspective is with being an authentic person yourself looking for authenticity in others and connecting with them and then that leads you to hearing and hearing leads you to understand what was said and be able to respond back and be connected so it's important to understand the difference between hearing and listening and are we actively engaged to it also i think it's important to understand staying connected to the person who you're connecting with either listening to and then hearing them because if it's not an active engagement where you're present then it's not going to really be a fruitful experience and then you're going to then kind of really reiterate that within yourself where you're just moving so fast you don't connect it's not active there's no real hearing but you hear that noise and you're listening to the noise but you're not really getting anything so an active continuous engagement is really imperative and staying connected to whoever is talking so you can listen and then hear also we learned that listening and hearing is easier for children because they're much more pure and they're closer to their wonderment and they're not tainted the way that we as adults tend to be. So not allowing your child to kind of be themselves and, and ask questions and answer questions for them and is really kind of maybe squashing some of their abilities to be active and authentic people and listen. So really allowing your children who are basically clean slates to go about active, active listening and connecting is only going to strengthen their ability as they get older. So let's keep an eye on that, you guys. And also, I think the other thing that's very important is, and it was well said by our expert today, Mark Nepo, that you have to meet the outside world with a really well-valued and well-constructed inner self. Because if the two don't meet, the outside world's going to meet somebody who's distracted or doesn't have the ability to have the tools to stay actively engaged or even actively engaged at all. 
And the more developed we are as an inner self, the better we can do in engagement and active listening and then have a meaningful connection with others. So I think it's important to really look at yourself because, as I've always said, charity begins at home. And I think the more solid we are within ourselves, I think the better off we are in general. Because remember, again, also parenting begins with you. And the more solid you are as a person, the more solid you are as a parent. So we got to slow down and we have to learn to be actively connected to those around us so that we can hear them while we're listening to them. All right, you guys, thank you for listening and for all your calls, your voicemails, your emails. They're all very helpful, wonderful questions. You can find all the podcasts available to you on my website at www.drsophie.com and on iTunes for free. New phone app is also on iTunes for free. Call my voicemail, 1-855-767-4966. My book, Side by Side, the revolutionary mother-daughter program for conflict-free communication is always around if you need it. Also, follow me on Twitter and Facebook for any updates and anything you want to tell me. I'm ready to listen. Visit iTunes to download the full version of Andy Grammer's Keep Your Head Up. And the most important thing, don't forget to sweep. But you gotta keep your head up, oh.